Hello and welcome everyone to the week one edition of the Field of 12's College Football Best Bets. My name is Rob Dosser. I am joined today by our third co-host here on the Field of 12's Best Bets show, Jimmy Ott with ESPN Radio Baton Rouge 104.5 FM and my Bet Rivers colleague, as you can see right there on his nice button-down shirt. I don't have the button-down shirt on. You're trying to make me look, trying to make me look bad on my own show. Uh, but Jimmy, what's going on, man? Thanks for being here. I mean, glad football's here. You know, a, a light appetizer uh, in week zero. Uh, not exactly the most uh, appealing card, but uh, this one's good, man. We got a couple of good ones on, on Thursday night to kick it off. Uh, the backyard brawl and, again, a Big Ten uh, conference game in West Lafayette and Penn State and Purdue. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. Look, there's a lot of bad things that have happened with realignment um, in, in, in college sports. I think one of them is the fact that we lose a lot of these rivalries, like the backyard brawl. I am very excited that this game is coming back. Uh, there's a lot for people that don't know. There's a lot of uh, dislike. I think is the best way to put it between West Virginia fans and Pitt fans. I'm excited to see what's going to happen there with that matchup. Before we get into these breakdowns, before we start talking about the bets, before we start talking about the gambling, at our hearts we're college football fans, right? So I want to know what is the one game on the week one slate that you're most excited to watch? I don't think there's any doubt. It's uh, Utah at Florida, and I mean Utah gave us quite the show. Uh, on a watered ball, watered down bowl, se- bowl season with the uh, the Rose Bowl. I mean that was unbelievable stuff. Um, three of the biggest mistakes as far as uh, starting the wrong quarterback were at uh, at Tennessee last year when they uh, had Milton ahead of Hooker at Miami. It cost Manny Diaz his job when he had uh, Dierra King playing ahead of uh, at Van Dyke, and it was also at uh, Salt Lake City when it cost him two games playing Charlie Brewer instead of uh, Cameron Rising. And this guy really executes uh, Whittingham's uh, system. And, I mean, this is a this is a conference, obviously, that's under siege right now. They lose USC, UCLA. Probably Oregon will be the next to jump. And it's a, it's a conference on life support. And if they're going to have any chance of getting into the, uh, the, the college football playoff, this is a got-to-have uh, type of win. And I hear a ton of stuff about Richardson and all his potential. I have not seen it on the field just yet, but he has that potential. But this is in a transfer portal. Um, you see it a lot. First-year coaches are dealing with a uh, more depleted roster than traditionally. And I, I think it's a great matchup. Whittingham does a great job. They they destroyed a, you know an Oregon team twice, two, two times in the last three weeks of, of their season. And at the line of scrimmage as well, Florida only returns one defensive uh, tackle uh, from last year's team. Uh, Utah has a lot coming back. This is probably Kyle Whittingham's best uh, best team. So, and going uh, the guy he uh, replaced in Urban Meyer, he's going to his mm-hmm. former place where he won a couple of national championships in Gainesville. Going to be very interesting. Going to be hot. The altitude. We have already t- talked about that. They're trying to put in heaters and noise in their indoor facility to try and acclimate or help acclimate, but. We'll see how that goes as well, because uh, that will be a test in the uh, 90 degrees and about 90 percent humidity as well. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, it's hot in Utah. You, there's nothing that you can do to prepare for the Florida humidity in, uh, in August and early September. All right, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you more about that game. I have a couple of questions I want to get into. Before we do, let's dive into Thursday night's games. That's happening tonight. Uh, I want to start with the backyard brawl. West Virginia at Pitt. That line is now Pitt minus seven and a half. The total there is 52, according to our friends over at Bet River Sportsbook. The last time they played this game was in 2011. We have JT Daniels. We have Keaton Slovis. It opened up at Pitt minus six and a half, Jimmy. And it feels like everybody that I've read, everybody that I've listened to, every tweet that I've seen, every single mention of this has been 
pit, 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 pit. Everybody seems to be on the Panthers. Are you on them as well? No. Uh, <clears throat> I'm on West Virginia. Love Excuse it. me. I'm on West Virginia, and it's Love one it. of my it's one of my favorite uh, win totals over five and a half uh, this year. Neil Brown is um, he's more of a conventional uh, type of uh, scheme, you know, schemes. No, no, no high, um, you know, throwing the ball all around spread. But they will probably go to that this year. But that was a major. The reason I bring up sort of his standard sound approach <clears throat> to uh, to coaching and his style because he replaced Dana Holgerson and that was an extreme style. There was an ultra finesse, not a whole lot of physicality uh, with his program. Um, both teams have USC transfer quarterbacks. Both teams have new offensive coordinators. Both teams return their entire offensive line tackle to tackle. Um, but Pitt is not a program that just can replace uh, guys like uh, guys like Pickett and in, uh, in Addison. Um, they're pretty good on the defensive line as well, but West Virginia returns six of their seven top, uh, the six of their top seven, uh, defensive linemen from a year ago. They do have some explosion, uh, explosion at uh, the wide receiver position. My point is that they, uh, <clears throat> JT Daniels has some, he has some weapons uh, here. So this is going to be fun to watch. I think West Virginia is one of my more popular, one of my most improved teams. Graham Harrell, this is, um, this is going on a lot in college football this year, Rob, and that is quarterbacks are transferring with an offensive coordinator or head coach that they had a previous relationship with. He was the uh, the offensive coordinator coming in at USC when he was in his uh, true sophomore season. Remember, that was supposed to be his true freshman year. He started as a true freshman when he should have been a senior in high school. He got hurt in his first game. He tore his ACL. I think it's going to be a nice marriage. Secondary market, uh, selling the tickets. All West Virginia making that short trip. That's a little bit of an indication how excited they are for this one. It's going to be ugly. Seven and a half points is a lot of points for the first game of the season when the offenses are usually behind the defenses. I love West Virginia in tonight's game. Yeah, that total has been coming down a little bit too. And when the total is coming down, it tells me you want to be on the side uh, of the underdog, especially when we're getting that plus seven and a half. If it's at plus six and a half, I think it's a little bit different, at least the way that I'm looking at, but you're getting a full touchdown. Um, so I think that you're right on West Virginia. One thing I will say, it's a quarterback's game. Our Christian Hackenberg last night on the field of 12 after dark said he thinks JT Daniels has NFL caliber arm talent. So uh, I'm going to trust those guys. Those guys know football better than I do. Uh, so I think we're both on the same page there. West Virginia money line, that's going to come into play in a little bit. That's what we call a tease here uh, in the media space. So we'll get to that in a second. All right, Penn State, minus three and a half. They're playing at Purdue. It is a Big Ten game to open the season. The total there is 53 and a half. The Purdue money line, Jimmy, I don't know if it's something that you're interested in, is plus 143. We have Sean Clifford. We have Aiden O'Connell. Where do you stand there? You know, usually I'm at a spot looking for some value and taking the non-brand team. I guess you could call Purdue that because Penn State is more of a, a name brand in college football uh, than Purdue at home catching points. Um, but same thing here. I don't, just don't know about Purdue replacing, uh, you know, guys like Bell, who's going to start uh, for the Cleveland Browns, and uh, George Kaloftis, who's had a heck of a preseason for Kansas City. He's going to be a big part of their defense. The, they lost their best two players. Uh, Jeff Brom had a good year last year. They won a bowl game, uh, and with those guys sitting out uh, as well when they beat Tennessee, although it was a little bit controversial. Um I like Clifford in his fourth year starting. He finally has his offensive coordinator for two years consecutive. So um, at times he looks pretty good. At times he just does not. 
But I do like uh, I, I, they got a Western Kentucky wide receiver transfer in that had 1,400 yards on the receiving end from Bailey Zappi in that high-powered offense last year. Remember, Bailey Zappi broke Joe Burrow's single-season uh, touchdown record last year. Purdue, Purdue does have uh, 15 starters back, but they do lose their best two, as I talked about. I just This is not my favorite game on the card, but I do like Penn State uh, on the road laying three or three and a half. Yeah, I think it's the, it's the right line. Right, like that. When when you have a very difficult decision to make, there, I think you have a pretty sharp line. Um, and I probably will not personally have any action on this game myself. Um, if I was to lean anywhere, I think I would probably lean on the side of Purdue. Man, just give me the home team, give me the points, uh, give me you know, uh, kind of the way that you phrase it, the the team that is overlooked a little bit. Um, and I will say this uh, on our Big Ten preview show: Jake Butt, Josh Perry, Christian Hackenberg, they all had Purdue as a top four team in the big 10. So if they are, look, they're the football experts, man. I'm just, here. I'm just, I'm just the DJ gambler. Rob, I'll tell you this. Um, in one of the, the philosophies I have from year to year, and that was a very good season uh, for Purdue. It's hard for a team that exceeds their normal, uh, their normal record and follows it up again. So I look for a little bit reverting back to the mean, closer to a 500 season uh, for Purdue. But they do have they do have a considerable amount uh, coming back in the Big Ten this year. Fair enough. All right, let's uh, let's stick in the Big Ten. The biggest game of the day on Saturday. Uh, two top five teams facing off. We have Notre Dame at Ohio State. That line there is Ohio State minus 17. Total is 59. Uh, Brian Kelly's gone. Do you trust Marcus Freeman, first-time head coach, taking on a team that may have the best quarterback, that may have the best running back, and that may have the best receive, uh, wide receiver in all of college football? 17 points is a lot of points. What do you like there, Jimmy? 17 uh, is a lot, but uh, when you do some of the research on the history of uh, Notre Dame against top 10 teams in the last 10 times they played <laughs> a top 10 team, they on the road, they lost by an average of, 16 and a half points. Uh, the odds makers uh, right there uh, with the 17 point spread. It opened up uh, uh, lower than that and it was bet up uh, immediately. Um, Ohio State's got all what, uh, you know, get, gets a lot of people's attention at the skill position, uh, the skill positions at quarterback, wide receiver, and uh, also running back. And my goodness, um, the two, they had two more that were drafted in the first round. And Smith and Jigba is probably the best out of all of them. He is, he put on a show um, in, in that uh, Rose Bowl against, uh, against Utah. This is a tough one, but I lean toward the points. And Rob, it's because where this game is being played as far as the season is concerned. There's some kinks to work out, even when you have that much returning for the first week. We call it the week of ugly offensive football in college football. That, you know, and every coach, including Nick Saban, has told us over and over and over, you make your biggest improvement in college football from game one to game two. So 17 points is more like 23 or 24 in the middle of October. Um, that's a lot of points. As far as Freeman's concerned, I saw enough of him. Uh, in the bowl game. I mean, it blew a three-touchdown lead against Oklahoma State. Brian Kelly just doesn't do that. And so he's got a lot of excitement. Uh, Notre Dame felt a little bit jilted when he left for uh, Baton Rouge and, uh, you know, his last score in a 10-year, $100 million deal uh, at LSU. But Brian Kelly never lost to the teams he was supposed to. That may have not been a team that they were that much more favored than in Oklahoma State, but they were in position where they should have won that game, and they didn't. So uh, he's got a lot, a long way to go as far as his game management, but he does have them excited, and he's bringing in some pretty big recruits as well. Notre Dame's pretty good at the line of scrimmage also. Might be better than Ohio State up front, 
both sides. And so I do think if uh, if I had to bet this one, I would take a, I would take Notre Dame uh, plus the seventeen. Yeah, I, I think I lean Notre Dame uh, in this matchup as well. Um, that what you said about early season makes a lot of sense. I also think that you know Marcus Freeman's a guy that made his bones as a defensive coordinator. And he's had an entire offseason to come up with some kind of a way to try and slow down all of this talent, and all of this firepower on the Ohio State side. So I think I actually kind of like the under there as well. It's a little bit of the same logic that you get with West Virginia uh, at Pitt. So I think that we're on the same side there. All right. Uh, a couple of Pac-12 SEC matchups. Let's dive into Utah and Florida first, as we already discussed them a little bit. That line has been uh, moving towards Utah a little bit. It's now Utah minus three. Um, the game is going to be played in Gainesville. The total there is currently 51. Florida's money line plus 114. Jimmy, I don't know if that's something that is important to you. Let me ask you this. Before we get into the game itself, how how important is this for Utah's chances of making the playoff, right? This is a team that is coming in with a lot of hype. They're ranked top seven in the preseason. Our George Whitfield keeps calling them the biker gang. Uh, I, I think that the way that he phrased it was Florida has thoroughbreds, but Utah has junkyard dogs. If they lose this game, do they still have a chance? And is that is it fair to put that kind of a pressure on a team heading into the first game of the season when they're playing on the road? Uh, it might be, but, um, you know, besides the trip, the November 19th uh, to Eugene, uh, this will be the most competitive game that they'll have. I think they're going to be favored in all 12 of their games uh, this year. And, I mean, this is this is their chance. This is their stage. I mean, if they lose this one, I, I don't know how they're going to get back into the conversation. Uh, if they can't go to Florida and beat a mid-level, and that's what Florida is this year, Mm-hmm. maybe at best a mid-level uh, SEC team. No, they're not going to be up, uh, up for consideration. I do think last year would have been interesting. Uh, and you don't know how the cards are going to fall. I mean, uh, in 2007, uh, LSU got into a two-team playoff at that time with two losses. Uh, and there were a lot of strange things that had to happen, including Pitt as a 28-point underdog beat West Virginia uh, in Morgantown. But I, I love what Utah does. I mean, they are so sound. They make very few mistakes uh, with so much returning. They kind of cut a lot of that rust that we talk about in week one, the week of, you know, ugly offensive football. I love rising. I mean, he's a player. And keep in mind, rising played like that when he wasn't getting number one reps all camp long. So he threw in there. Those reps were going to Brewer. And that was just that was one of the few mistakes that uh, Kyle Willing- Willingham will make. But shame on Utah if they can't get it done here. Um, my Pac-12 friends in Vegas guys are like, man, going down the swamp. This is a, is a program that is in transition. There's nobody in Gainesville that is going to be ready to run you know, Billy Napier off if he doesn't have a good uh, season this year. Nobody in Baton Rouge is running off Brian Kelly if he struggles this year, which they probably – both of those clubs will be about seven and five this season that's not their standards but year one they get a pass they really Mm -hmm. do because it's just you come in there's so few guys that remain anymore when you're making that transition uh from coaches so i like utah in this spot and yeah rob yes it's possible but i mean maybe a 12 about as possible as a 12 team parlay i mean you know i mean it's just (laughs) i don't i don't see it happening utah's gotta win this when they've hit all off season man gainesville 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 I love Utah in this spot. You got to have faith in the retirement parlay, Jimmy. You got to have faith in it. It's going to hit at least once this season, and we're all going to get rich off of it. Um, no, your, your logic to me is right for Utah. And 
the reason why I have faith in them on the road is that this is not a team that's going to rely necessarily on needing the fancy players of the trick plays or relying on like the energy of a crowd to win games, right? They're going to go out there and they're going to fight and they're going to win through toughness, through physicality, and through playing that kind of style of football. Um, and I think that that can travel on the road, especially because look, they, they, they are going to know how important this game is for their chances. Right. And I guarantee everybody in that locker room has the expectation of winning. So I'm going to ride with the, uh, the biker game. You never, you never want to piss off a bike again. That is for sure. It means a lot, man. It means a ton. And uh, Whittingham, I mean, just the, the continuity uh, in the program. I mean, he's been there so long. I, I, I kind of feel bad for Utah because, you know, with conference realignment and things, they're still kind of a newbie as far as being mm -hmm. a Power 5 program coming over from the Mountain West, what, maybe 10 years ago or, or so. But, man, they, they, they're, that's a well-run program at Utah. Yep, I agree. And I will say this, if you're going to take Florida, you might as well take the money line there, right? Get a little bit of the extra juice and, um, and, and just bet on uh, them being able to find a way to win that game as opposed to just taking the, the, the points in that spot. All right, the other SEC Pac-12 matchup, we have Oregon and Georgia facing off in the, I believe that's the Georgia Dome, right? The Mercedes-Benz, I, I can't remember what it's called. It's in Atlanta, it's in Georgia. Uh, the dogs are laying 17 points. The total there is 53. Uh, I... I think I lean Oregon in the spot. Is that is that crazy to say? Betting against the reigning national champs? No, it's not. And I'm leaning toward the points, again, being in week one uh, also. Now, Stetson Bennett returns as quarterback. Uh, he's got the best tight end tandem, uh, maybe top, top 10 in the NFL as far as those guys are concerned with Eric Gilbert, the LSU transfer, and, um, and the kid from California, from Northern California, who was so good uh, as a true freshman. Uh, last year but this is week one this is where points are at a premium 17 points is a ton uh we know kirby can recruit you know you know kirby is recruiting well in athens when nick saban shakes up his staff and makes it more youthful about four years ago because he was beating him on enough kids but my goodness a couple of things here working against georgia they set record that that was a lot that they lost in the in the draft also First national championship in 41 years. It's real. He, Nick Saban even it's called national championship hangover. Um, they've been on the celebra uh, celebration tour. They've been on the banquet tour uh, in the entire offseason, just getting pat on the back. And how much are they grinding uh, in the offseason? How hungry are they after they finally got that ring since Herschel Walker was uh, a freshman back in 1980? A lot of that uh, says that uh, I think Oregon is playing for a little respect. 17 is a ton of points, especially in week one. I'm leaning toward Oregon a lot as well. Yeah, it's Georgia is a team that won with their defense, right? They lost the Kobe Dean. They lost the big fellow up front. Um, I'm blanking uh, on his name at Davis. the moment. Yeah, Jordan Davis. Um, and they, I mean, they won with their defense and lost probably their two most important defensive pieces from last season. So why are we going to lay – 17 points on a team that, that, I mean, even last year when they won the title, we had questions about what they were offensively, right? So that's yes. that's just kind of where I land. I mean, if Setsu Bennett gets to get it done, it's like, well, he's still tagged a guy that can't win the big one. I mean, mm -hmm. what happens if Jamison Williams does not go down? And listen, I have money on Georgia in the title game. But, I mean, let's face it, uh, that was a game changer uh, when when he went down with the torn ACL. So um, it's it's a program that's been just so hungry for so long. That championship hangover, it's an intangible. It's not something we can quantify, but it is real. Trust me. And I think uh, Georgia – and listen, George, let's not act like Georgia's not going to be good. 
Okay, they're going to be favored mm-hmm. in every one of their games by a lot. Okay, they can, they're probably going to go 11 and one this year, but they're not going to be as good as they were when they won the whole thing. Yeah, 17 points is a lot of points uh, in that spot going up against another team that has something to prove. I mean, look, if Oregon wins this game, then all of a sudden they're very much in the conversation uh, to make it to the playoff uh, as well. All right, three more games that we just we can roll through pretty quickly. Colorado State at Michigan. Michigan's laying 30 points. The total there is 61 and a half. Do you have any feel there, Jimmy? You know, a hardball in Michigan, they're a pretty good bully in these spots and you know these type of numbers that's why you've seen a lot of uh public uh, you know the the market come in and backing michigan and laying that point it's a stand away game stay away game for me but um <laughs> uh, where nick saban goes out of his way not to embarrass opponents uh it looks like harbaugh just is fine with beating teams <laughs> by 55 60 points what do you make of uh, of Michigan's plan to start one quarterback one game, start another quarterback another game, and then figure out who's going to be the starter when you get to the third week of the season? As unorthodox as it is, and the the quotes from from Jim Harbaugh are are perplexing, but uh, you should know as as anybody, you know, pay attention to the actions and more than just the uh, the explanations uh, in the sound bites. The quarterbacks can be more. They, they, they can be more evaluated uh, in a true game setting because mm-hmm. it's a big difference when you take that non-contact jersey off. Like you can, you can simulate it all you want, but if you have, you are not afraid of getting hit as a quarterback. That's just not like, it's not, that's not a real game. And so as goofy as it is, the schedule allows it because the two Rena wins one, one player, but, and I know I'm talking to a lot of quarterbacks as well. They'd rather this than series for series. And let's, mm-hmm. let's evaluate that way. So as unorthodox as it is, it's, it kind of actually makes sense uh, from Jim Harbaugh. All right. We have North Carolina at App State. It is a pick That total is 56 on Saturday. It's a noon kickoff. This feels like a trap. This feels like they're trying to suck you in and say North Carolina is a pick against App State. I'll tell you what, man. This, this feels like you got to tell me why I shouldn't just take my entire bankroll and place it right there on the Mountaineers. Uh, I'm, I'm all over the Mountaineers in this one. I love this spot. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, it is, it is, I mean, how hungry are they to play big brother from in state, you know, to mm-hmm. get them to come from Chapel Hill to come to Boone. First of all, shame on the AD for putting Mac Brown in this situation. Uh, a coach, I mean, you, you just don't agree to these type of things. So there's never a spot where an, uh, a power five team, a program should be going to, a, a Sunbelt uh, venue and a Sunbelt venue and a program that's good. And that's going to be on fire. As far as the atmosphere is concerned, app state is legit North Carolina. I, I wonder if the window of opportunity passed by Mac Brown preseason top 10 last year, a losing record. Uh, Howell is gone. He tried to do it all by himself two years ago. They, uh, they got to the bowl game, the, uh, the, uh, the, the new year six bowl game against Texas A&M. They had the guys sit out. So they lost that one, but still, I wonder if Mac Brown, who's way past his prime, his second stint at Chapel Hill, if this is just going to be sort of a mediocre, uh, a mediocre team and program uh, for a while. Love App State, no doubt that place is going to be on fire and boom. And you know what you said, shame on the AD. I, I, I look at it the other way. I love games like this. I love when you see the big dog go on the road to play little brother. Right? I love, I love it in hoops. I love it in football. I, I think that creating these environments where you you know it's going to be insane in Boone 
on Saturday, right? That's going to be no argument, no argument. Yeah, I do too I, as a fan. But it. if I'm coaching oh, a team, yes. what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> so. oh, oh yeah. That's why. That's why. That's why we're not coaches, Jimmy. That's why we're not coaches. But I, I want more of this. I love it. Even if North Carolina loses, I don't think we should ding them too much. At least in, in kind of public perception, they, they are what they are this season. Uh, but I love it, man. We need we need more games like this. I think that Big Brother should go on the road to play Little Brother as much. Non conference scheduling in college football is an epidemic, man. I mean, yeah. it's it's been it's been broken. When I was in school at LSU, you know how our non conference teams were. Check this one out: <laughs> Miami of Florida, Texas A and M, and Ohio State. Yes, playing in the SEC. Yeah, those those days are long gone. And until it may be one of the good things, if we move forward, we'll kind of get on the same page and sort of mandate teams to play certain teams. But, man, it's I never I never thought I'd, I'd live to see the day where on a regular basis, SEC teams are playing SWAC teams. Yeah, it's not it's not right. I, I, don't, I don't like it. All right. Uh, last game. And then we're going to get to our Sunday night hammer. We have Memphis at Mississippi State. Mississippi State is laying 16 points in total there, 56 and a half. Jimmy, that's down south. That's your way. What do we got? Yeah, year three uh, for the quarterback in Mike Leach's system, and he threw for the second most uh, uh, yards ever in the SEC last year, and he got he took that next step, you know, from year one mm-hmm. to year two. He's going to be the, that much better. This was one of the most misleading scores in all of college football last year. You had like a 95-yard a scooping score. You had a crazy punt a punt, a fumble and return where they thought it was down. It was just very misleading. Uh, Mississippi State outgained Memphis, I want to say, by over 200 yards. I had Memphis that day. I was very lucky. This is a spot where big-time revenge. And Memphis is – I'm wondering if they're sort of a, a sliding program um, because not just uh, – they're not happy that they got left out of the Big 12 uh, as well. And so uh, Norvell, since he's gone, they've kind of come back to the pack. Their defense is going to be – horrible this year they're going to give up tons of points and that's that, that that's a team that gave up 40 points a game last year mm-hmm. so i think it's going to be that 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 scoreboard in, in starkville is going to be like a pinball machine i look for state to roll up all kinds of points and win very big all right the sunday night hammer we're going down to your boys lsu florida state uh the tigers are laying three and a half points there the total is 51 and a half uh, according to our partners over at bet river sportsbook jimmy you guys going to get it done? Your boys going to get it done? Three and a half. Um, I wish I'd have got it because it was a two and a half for a long time. So I'd really have a soft opinion on the, on the side. But the total, I've got a big opinion. One thing that we all agree on covering LSU, that their strongest unit is their defensive line. Um, Florida State just doesn't have guys this caliber. I mean, we're talking about multiple first-round picks when they come out, and they're mature mm-hmm. as well, you know, the third and four-year uh, four guys. Uh, Florida State. That's one of the been their big uh, big problems is their offensive line. They think they're improved up front, but not not with these guys. The weakest unit on LSU is their offensive line. Florida State's defensive line is improved a little bit. LSU is going to have all kinds of problems of blocking Florida State. You got so many new pieces as well. This total is way too high at the fifty one and a half points will be at a premium. The week of ugly offensive football. All of this evolved in you know, uh, all of this uh, to where I just think it's going to be very low scoring. I, I'll take Brian Kelly on the sideline versus Mike Norvell. Um, don't uh, don't uh, listen to the reports that uh, Florida State sold all of their 30,000 ticket allotment. They partnered with a 
broker knowing that they would fall for short. So expect maybe a third of that. The not so the not so uh, neutral site in the Superdome down in New Orleans. I like LSU to win small. Not crazy about the three and a half, but I really like the under. All right, so let's get into the teaser of the week before we head over to Greg Waddell for our retirement parlay. So I put together the teaser this week, Jimmy. Tell me what you like here, what you don't like, if you think it's crazy. We're going to start with Arkansas teasing it down from six and a half to to their money line. Uh, We have Florida plus eight and a half. We have Michigan State minus 15 and a half and Illinois plus eight there. That's paying out at plus 292, which means that if you bet $100, you win $292. Jimmy, is that crazy? Anything there you don't like? Arkansas, man, Fayetteville, that place is going to be popping. Uh, both teams are not going to be as good as they were uh, last year. We know about the nine guys drafted for Cincinnati, but Arkansas lost a lot as well. But it, to me, uh, with um, with the uh, Bryles at offensive coordinator and Barry Odom at defense coordinator, I think this is the best coordinator tandem uh, in the SEC. They made Felipe Franks look okay. And if you've seen him in the preseason, it is a disaster. So I, I like Arkansas. It's shame. Aim on them if they lose at home uh, in that uh, in that atmosphere. Florida, I already told you I like Utah, so it might be we'll see. But th- that is a lot of points uh, on the road. I wonder about Michigan State. What we talk about, Rob, teams that perform way higher than they normally do did one year. Will they come back to sort of uh, kind of you know back to the pack? Uh, nobody uh, worked the transfer portal like Mel Tucker. We'll have to see if he can earn that money. And then Illinois, uh, I like what I saw. Uh, in week one, even with Wyoming, one of the more depleted. Wyoming, Hawaii, and Nevada, the most depleted rosters in all of college football. I mean, they have nothing coming back. I mean, Vandy had scored 63 points since they played Davidson in 1969. But um, I like Illinois uh, in this spot going to Indiana, although Tom Allen has been real tight-lipped, closing practices, closing everything. He brought in 10 Power 5 transfers also to try and get them back on track after a disastrous season last year. So, We'll see. Good luck. I'll be pulling for you, except for Florida. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and a reminder for people that, uh, that that put together teasers, you never tee through zero, and you always want to make sure you go through two key numbers. That's three, that's seven, that's 10, that's 14. Whatever a normal score would be for one team in a football game, you want to tease through two of those. That's the best way to get value uh, out of a teaser. All right, Producer Dagan, can we fire up the week one retirement parlay from our own Greg Waddell? It's time for this week's retirement parlay brought to you by Bet Rivers. Now, last week we gave out an 11-leg parlay, and I kind of feel like we were actually pretty close. Eight of the 11 legs hit. I could sniff the winnings. I could sniff the sandy shores of a beach somewhere where I never have to work for Rob Doster again. This week, we're upping the ante. 12 legs in honor of week one, four days of football, four days of bets. And if this hits, it's a $100 wager to win $39,793.32. You can never forget the cents. Here's the 12 legs. West Virginia money line, Purdue plus 10 and a half, Michigan State minus 13 and a half, Virginia Tech money line, Illinois money line, North Carolina money line, Michigan minus 21, Georgia money line, Coastal Carolina money line, Florida plus 10, Boise State money line, and LSU money line, $100 to win over $39,000 at Bet Rivers. 